Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. All right, I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to be spending time with GoGuardian. Many of you know of GoGuardian. We spent time with the co-founder and CEO Advait Shinde um, and learn more about really the story of GoGuardian and the role it's playing in education across the U.S. Advait, it's nice to spend some time with you today. Thanks so much for having me, Rod. I'm always so interested, Advait, in sort of the why, and that sounds very broad, but sort of why people start businesses. Because I think one, it's inspiring for the next generation to understand that we don't just all sort of roll out of bed and have the confidence and maybe the the healthy ego that we need to be able to battle the uh, the headwinds that will come with starting a business. So take me back to the decision and sort of what it is about your own constitution that you felt like you had what it took to start something and to then after starting it, make a difference. Yeah, I think what comes to mind for me is is really just a set of early childhood experiences around education where by all accounts, I went to a fantastic public school. Uh, the graduation rates and college acceptance rates were off the charts relative to an average school. Uh, but my actual felt experience in class was pretty disengaging and, and frustrating, honestly. And I think it was kind of like most people's experience in the sense that I was tired of studying or cramming just to get a good grade on an exam that to me felt like really uh, arbitrary in a lot of ways relative to the things that I was genuinely interested in. And I had the luxury of growing up in, in the early internet era. And so I quickly turned all of my attention and free time to the internet and just learned so many things, whether it was about businesses or about how to program. Uh, I just kind of really cherished my internet-based learning experiences. And so fast forward to about nine years ago now when we started the company, uh, the first wave of school districts were adopting this thing called one-to-one which is essentially giving every single kid a laptop with the expectation that the entirety of the K-12 experience was, was going to shift on this device. And uh, we, as in the co-founders of, of GoGuardian, we, we kind of looked at this and we said, this represents the potential to take the same amazing internet-based experiences that we had as kids and now potentially scale them out to the whole world. And moreover, with all of the data that you'll be able to collect about how educational is education is progressing and, and specifically what's working, what's not working, uh, that can sort of create the basis for more personalization and ultimately more effectiveness over time. And, and so we just, we wanted to play a part in that story, both as sort of technologists in terms of being able to realize the data oriented aspect of, of this vision, but also as just honest people and learners ourselves. Uh, and and wanting a better experience for ourselves and, and potentially being in a position to deliver that to to more kids. And so when did, for you, Advai, when did you know? Were you a teenager? Like at what point did you say to yourself, you know, I might want to start something someday? Because I, I feel like those discussions for young people are starting earlier and earlier. Yeah. I just recently spoke to a high school and these kids were talking about that. I mean, they were so much more advanced and I'm in my mid-40s when I think back to when I was in high school, let alone undergrad, and the concept and being not only okay with it, but embracing that and saying, 
yeah, like it doesn't scare me. It doesn't mean that I have to have a certain personality or a set of, of personality traits to succeed. Was there a moment for you when you said, you know, I can handle this and I really, I think I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think it kind of happened in middle school, high school for me, where um, due to maybe a personality defect or something like that, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I've always had this like anti-establishment tendency is, is maybe not the right way to put it, but just yeah. sort of a constant questioning of why, like, and, and, and a, a sort of frustration with the seeming arbitrariness of, of structures that we've been like using for forever seemingly, right? So K-12 is a great example of that, where I was just like, why? why? Like, why are we forcing <laughs> kids to do this? Like, this is so obviously wrong and misguided. And, and not, not to say that it's entirely wrong, there's obviously great aspects of K-12 in terms of its effectiveness, but it just felt like it was at odds with the genuine passion of, of students and curiosity of students, which was so present, but it was sort of being bat down uh, due to the, the sort of structure of K-12. And so I, I, I felt like I always wanted to start a business from the premise of um, being able to do things differently and being able to start from first principles of like, this is what actually makes sense to me based on my experience. And then sort of unapologetically advocating for that, uh, particularly in the face of existing structures that are doing things differently in, in a way that I, I, I kind of intuitively feels wrong. So it was an early impulse, but I, I think as I grew older and older and older, uh, it became super clear that like, working within the existing system, so to speak, is, is probably not going to satisfy the sort of open-ended curiosity that I have. You know, I think you share the personality trait of most comics, don't aren't? They? Isn't that really the basis for comics? They kind of <laughs> sure. see something and say, "Why are we doing that?" And challenge conventional wisdom. Okay, so if that be if that's the case, that's sort of the baseline. Why education? Because you know, a lot of people. I'll give you an example. So, gosh, I don't know. Maybe uh, six to eight years ago, I was at ISTE, which is a well-known technology mm -hmm. conference uh, in education globally, and I was interviewing people in the gaming space. And what was fascinating was that they were saying to me off camera, you know, I just don't know if I want to contribute or work in the education space because I don't feel like the industry understands the value that we can bring, let alone the role gaming and uh, sort of this entertainment element of learning is going to play in the coming years. Yeah, And it made me say, even as a, a father to very young kids at that point, you know, gosh, are we missing out on the talent? So that is the precursor, the preamble to if you had that sort of lens that you were looking at life through, you could have, you could argue that you could have applied that to any industry, but you chose one that is notorious for taking time to change where tradition may or may not be inclusive and equitable. <laughs> um, were there moments early on where you said, why are, why are we tackling education when we could be doing this with less uh, upheaval and, and maybe boundaries uh, in another industry? Yeah, I think what comes to mind is a saying that that we constantly summon inside of Go Guardian, which is that education is the highest point of leverage we have in improving society. Huh. And what, what we mean when we say that is like out of all of the problems that we could focus on, hypothetically, whether it's climate change or uh, economic inequity or, uh, I don't know, building uh, GPUs for machine learning. Uh, we feel that a focus on education is the the most high, the highest leverage, meaning improving education, the, the net effect that that has on the next generation of students and the net effect that those students have on society 
ultimately societally puts us in the best position of having a thriving world. And so we're, we're deeply motivated about education here. And, and we think of the challenge level uh, in the sense that it's, it's a hard, hard environment. It's uh, the K-12 system that you're dealing with, which is challenging in a lot of ways. There's a lot of political dynamics. There's a lot of limitations in terms of funding. Um, we think of that as like a, a sort of worthy adversary relative to the, the upside of truly being able to unlock educational potential. And so from the perspective of just like deep fulfillment and meaning in terms of the work that we're doing, like we try to reach the highest levels of, of motivation that are possible in terms of why we're doing what we're doing. I love that. I think that's maybe the parent in me. Um, I love that for the next generation, because I think we have to have that if we're going to make a difference. If we, you know, if we want to rest on our laurels and do what we've been doing, we're going to get the same results and maybe worse in a global economy. Um, all right. Give for the people that don't know GoGuardian or they know of GoGuardian and maybe they're going to, you know, you're going to GSV. A lot of people are going to that coming up here, not to timestamp our discussion here, um, but they need to know sort of what you're doing right now in 2023. Kind of give, I want mm -hmm. to give people a baseline of GoGuardian and also to start, if you don't mind, the name. Tell me about the name GoGuardian. <laughs> That's funny. So um, I'll, 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 I'll answer the first question first, which is we build software for K-12 that spans everything from keeping students safe and productive on their devices, all the way to things like assessment and tutoring and practice. And, and our, our general uh, mindset here is that, um, firstly, differentiated education is, is absolutely critical to driving outcomes. So we need to really deliver different experiences to each kid based on our understanding of where they're at and what they're struggling with and what they'd like and so on. And that technology specifically plays a critical role in being able to deliver that differentiation at scale. And so from there, there's a bunch of different sub problems to solve. And initially, actually, when we started the business, we started to focus much more on the open-ended problems of like using data to drive learning outcomes. But what we discovered is that the problems that real school districts were experiencing were much more ordinary for lack of a better word. Like for example, they said, we're having trouble keeping our kids from watching Netflix in class. And so all this data and machine learning stuff you're talking about, like is great, but that's not what I'm dealing with. <laughs> and so after scratching our head, we, we realized that it's so, it was so necessary and critical to focus on how do we make the devices safe and productive first and foremost, before we sort of gradually move on to the more open-ended aspects of driving learning outcomes. Uh, that that's where the business originally began. In, in terms of the name GoGuardian, uh, the original product was actually called Guardian EDU. Um, <laughs> and we obviously couldn't get the name Guardian.com. You fell victim to the old EDU for any education business. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and so we, we bought the domain name GoGuardian.com. And uh, uh, every time we talked to customers, they said, hey, we just we love GoGuardian. And we were like, it's not GoGuardian. It's Guardian EDU. And after like the 10th time we had that conversation, we were like, okay, the world has spoken. It's it's actually GoGuardian. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the competitive landscape. Um, there, you know, out of the, the thousands of interviews I've done, I've run into lots of different people that have attempted um, with the best of intentions to provide services broadly speaking, that maybe a GoGuardian or a Guardian EDU <laughs> uh, approaches and tackles um, and, and solves. 
And so in essence, I guess I'm, what I'm asking is how is it that GoGuardian has been able to not just maintain, but thrive in an incredibly uh, competitive landscape where it doesn't seem like the rule, there was a re- ever a rule book, right? I mean, this was literally building it on the fly. We had districts over the last decade. I know you guys are nine years old to think about the last nine years where we had people that were in library media sciences that were now given the label of like a tech director. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about truly flying at 30,000 feet and trying to maintain airspeed and, uh, you, right. You get where I'm going with this. I'm just curious as to what you think maybe the secret sauce has been, because there have been countless folks that I would call competitors to you. Sure. Um, maybe you have a different vantage point. Yeah. Truthfully, I wish there was more competition. I wish there were more people entering into ed tech, uh, focusing on these problems because I think that there seeming seems to be such a shortage of huh. of like innovation relative to other verticals or other areas, and, and I think that that has a lot to do with how you started this conversation around just the challenge level associated with K twelve. That said, I, I think we've never really had a compet- competition focused lens here. Instead, okay. I think what we've always done is try to really understand our users whether it's teachers or parents or students or administrators, and really empathize and understand with the direct problems that they're experiencing. And so you talk about this sort of librarian turned tech director, Uh, like what are they faced with? Like what are the challenges that they have day to day? Like what are they afraid of? And, And what's taking up a lot of their time? Like really getting into their heads to understand that and, and, and really appreciate just how challenging of a role that is. And then, acknowledging or or imagining how technology can actually dramatically help alleviate uh, the problems that they're experiencing and just being like fanatically obsessed about that end user. I think that's how we got started. And uh, that focus allowed us to to realize that the safety and productivity problems were the first problems to address. And it it kind of pulled us along into the sort of tendrils of of the very many other problems that the the whole ecosystem experiences. And so just user focus, I think, is the, the trump card here. So what's fascinating is that forever, for years in education, it was, you know, either you were a startup or you were a legacy company. And the danger of the, like I've, Years ago at a, uh, South by Southwest EDU, I had a panel and a very diverse panel and people were talking about, well, why? Because I had uh, U.S. government officials on there and, you know, like in essence, why don't we have standards whereby a legacy company can't come in and say, no, 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 this is what a student information system looks like. It could basically change the rules on the fly based on acquisitions that they made in the marketplace by all accounts then you know, uh, relegating these startups to uh, defunct status because they didn't have the runway to be able to pay for a pivot in the market, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That there was this notion of, okay, if I'm going to battle the legacy people, do I have to be all things to all people in K-12? That's scary. Um, And if we're too niche, no one, it's going to be hard for people to take us seriously because it it becomes an either or question. Either we dump the legacy offering or we really have to have some insurance that this startup can really fulfill what they're talking about. So yeah. were those conversations internally and how did you tackle those? Because what I like about you, and I know we haven't met in person, is there's just this calm confidence in the way in which you communicate, which I would imagine your clients experience, that would give me the the feeling that, you know what, you guys can deliver in what you're talking about in a world where people are terrified to 
customize, to understand differentiation sure. in not only their offering, but the way in which they integrate in their solutions for student outcomes. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there's a branch or, or subset of K-12 that's very localized for for really good reason, honestly. It's, it's the idea that local communities want to take ownership of the educational experiences of their kids. And uh, based on the culture and the dynamics, uh, they want to make sure that kids are educated in a certain way. And so appreciating that and and helping support that, I, I think, is, is critical. But to your point, that results in a kind of fragmentation or, or required customization that's really hard to scale with. And so uh, I think it's in that world that particularly with the sort of legislative dynamics that these old world companies have sort of taken hold. I think the, the approach that we've taken is, is to not think about the problem in those terms and instead say, zoom out and say, like, what are people struggling with? Like, where can we help? And that's less about standards that are localized and much more about the sort of general problems that all educators or, or people in the, state, the system are, are experiencing. And we find that there's actually a lot of commonality across the population when it comes to things like keeping kids safe. Uh, now, the, the sort of definition of safety certainly varies across our ecosystem, but the general principle of making sure kids are having a safe experience online is more or less universally accepted as, as worthy. And so I think we've tried to find those sort of commonalities across the ecosystem and really devote time into making those solutions also customizable for our users so that they can sort of have whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish, they can leverage our tools to actually configure them in, in certain ways to drive those specific objectives for themselves. And so that would require the assumption then would be that if I'm the client, right, I'm the school district, that I have to be able to communicate to you and go guardian the problems that I'm having. And so the easy question would be, Hey, Advite, what are some of the problems? How have they changed over time? But I'd actually like to take a different turn on that, which would be, can you talk a little bit about the way in which problems have been communicated to you and your team over the last nine years? Because I feel like administrators, educators, and even parents are getting much more up to speed and savvy in the way in which they communicate the struggles at a very granular level, where they may not have been that savvy 10 or 15 years ago, just because it wasn't a part of their role. It didn't mean they have didn't have the ability to. It just, we weren't having these kinds of active conversations that were I think comprehensive when it came to our technology and the role that data uh, and information played in the learning process. Yeah, one of the so so we're recording this in in 2023 and and we're sort of after the remote learning era of COVID, right? And and in that period, there was a tremendous amount of learning loss. Uh, students are generally pretty far behind relative where that to where they should have been had there not been a pandemic. And school districts are really uh, focused on this problem and really trying to understand what can we do uh, to really help kids accelerate in terms of learning progress. And I think that there's been a tremendous amount of focus on things like efficacy, which is what are the approaches or products or, or processes that we're putting in place that actually demonstrably improve learning outcomes for kids? And how do we measure that? And how do we definitively know that what we're doing is actually working or not. And I think that particularly because we're behind this, this focus on efficacy has become disproportionately more important. And I think that coming back to your question about like articulating problems, like this is, I think, a, a beautiful way to talk about problems, which is really at a higher level, which is what are our objectives? 
what are we actually trying to accomplish over here? And how do we go and quantify those objectives? Like if we actually want to improve literacy, for example, like how are we measuring that? Where are we at today? And uh, how has that trended over time? And then uh, what are the approaches or investments that we're taking to actually improve literacy? And so the articulation of the objectives, I think, is the first step. And as opposed to getting deep into the solutions about, hey, I'm running into like this problem, can you help me with this? Like without understanding the underlying motives of why that person is asking these questions in the first place, it becomes like a solution for solution's sake conversation. And so I've really appreciated how recently in particular school districts have had a much longer term data oriented view about what is the objective over here. Let's close with this. Advai, tell me a little bit about how starting a company education with a mission where this can be the singular point of leverage to impact societies and generations to come, how has it impacted you personally and your outlook on life? Uh, do you feel like you're even dug in that much more and uh, and passionate about what you're doing because of what you see uh, sort of on the ground level of education and what needs to be done? Tell me how it's changed you personally. I think as humans, we're all craving a deep sense of meaning and purpose for why we're here. And I think for the most part, most of us really struggle with that question. And and uh, I think the process of building GoGuardian has been really, really illuminating on this front for me, which is to say that the orientation of selflessness around wanting to improve the world and devoting your life and all of your focus around making that improvement and and seeing the the corresponding validation in the form of teachers and students really appreciating what you're doing and 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 correspondingly seeing an improvement in outcomes as a result like that i think has allowed me and many of the people at GoGuardian to tap into the deepest levels of, of fulfillment that we've ever experienced in our our whole life and uh my hope is that for for people that are, are thinking about starting companies uh, or, or sort of passionate in general, like how how do you orient your passion towards something that's inherently selfless? Because I think in the process, that will sort of bootstrap a positive feedback loop of even deeper levels of passion and engagement than I think is possible with uh, maybe a more selfish approach. And so, yeah. It, 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 seems, it seems like it's a part of your DNA and I would imagine that your team is better for that. The prospects uh, and the future of GoGuardian are better for that. Uh, what a pleasure to spend some time with you, learn a little bit, little bit about your story and another conversation. You'll tell me how you've kept that amazing hair coming from a guy here with gray hair uh, <laughs> that my kids remind me of all the time. Uh, we want to thank uh, Advait Shinde, the uh, co-founder and CEO of GoGuardian. You can go to GoGuardian.com to learn more. Uh, Advait, what a pleasure to spend some time with you. Keep up the great work as a parent. I say that. And as someone who's worked in education for years, it's been a, a real nice to spend some time with you today. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.